So in what feels like a lifetime, a long, long time ago, and I guess it was a long, long time ago, so it would, would have been somewhere in the mid-80s, I, um, I was a Federal Express delivery courier. And I can tell you that when you knock on people's doors for a living, you can run into some pretty interesting adventures. In this episode of The Eclectic Monk, I want to uh, tell you the story of one of the most adventurous deliveries I ever made. Stick around. It'll be fun. So the year would have been 1987. Um, I was a husband, but I wasn't a father yet. And I was the delivery courier for Paulding County uh, for Federal Express. And that's back when the vans actually said Federal Express on the side of them. Um, So I live in Paulding County, Georgia. Dallas, Georgia is the county seat. Hiram is the thriving, uh, booming um, suburban area. Uh, But in 1987, there was not much going on. Paulding County was underdeveloped. There was a couple of neighborhoods, uh, and there was a whole lot of dirt roads, farmland, and um, just rural areas. And so I remember on one particular day, Um, I had a delivery for Aiken Roofing on Clay Root Mountain Road. Now, at that time, the only map of Paulding County was not a beautiful arrow atlas with uh, grids and everything. And, of course, there was no such thing as GPS uh, on your cell phones because there's no such thing as a cell phone in 1987. All I had was the county map uh, that you could buy from the Chamber of Commerce for $2 that kind of generally had most of the roads on it if they had been around for a while. Uh, And I actually would, as they built subdivisions and built new roads, I would draw them in on the map so that I would know everything was at. Um, But Clay Root Mountain uh, was on the map. It was uh, ran off of Narrowway Church Road, which was a dirt road at that point in time that ran off of Highway 61 between Dallas and Bartow County going toward Cartersville. So this was really uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and out in that area, there were three mountains. There's Braswell Mountain, there's Brushy Mountain, and there's Clay Root Mountain. I have no idea where Clay Root Mountain got its name from, except for the fact that it was a red clay road that you had to drive around to get to the red dirt road that ran up the side of this mountain. Um, and i am never forget, I was driving along. I knew where Narrowway Church Road was because I passed it. Uh, I knew that it was just kind of a loop road and that if it rained a lot, you didn't try to drive down it. It was dirt, and you would you would get stuck in the mud because it was just a, a bog on the back end of it. But I wasn't really sure where Clay Root Mountain Road was, so I, I drive down on that particular day, and I drive 
uh, down Narrowway Church, and, and I come to a little dirt road that is running up the side of the hill, and about five mailboxes sitting down on a like a, a couple of fence posts with a two-by-four across it at the end of this road. There's no road sign. There was no 911 service in 1987. Uh, again, it was very, very rural, and this part of the county was particularly undeveloped. Um, so what I realized when I saw all of those mailboxes sitting on that post down at the end of the road, that that had to be Clay Root Mountain. And, uh, and I knew right away that I was in trouble because basically the mail carrier did not go up this road. The mail carrier went to the end of the road and stuffed the mail into the mailboxes and kept going. Uh, and then as people would come home or leave, they would stop at the bottom of this mountain on this little dirt road and uh, get their mail. So because I worked for Federal Express, I could not just stick this overnight letter into the mailbox. That was not my job. And it was actually would be against the law for me to tamper with uh, a mailbox because the mailbox is actually possession of the United States mail service and is federal property. And uh, so I couldn't do that. So I realized what I was going to have to do because I had to make an attempt. That was, that's the rule. When you're a a federal express courier, you have to make the attempt. And, uh, and now I'm way out in the country anyway, and I really want to get this package delivered because that's just was my job is what I did. So I start driving up this little windy red clay road going up this mountain. And the hope is, the hope is that people will have like their name on the front of the house or they'll have a number of some kind, some identifying thing uh, on the property so that you can figure out, you know, who is what. So I go driving up and there's there's a house kind of to the left that sits back off the road, but there's there's nothing on it, and then there's a, a house on the right, and uh, nothing, and you know, and another house uh, a little further up, uh, and there's nothing there. And finally, this road as you're kind of winding up the side of this mountain, uh, and it's not like a big tall mountain, but it was a pretty good steep hill. And you get up to the top of it, and there it dead ends into another driveway, and that was it. Uh, and there was no name, no number, no anything to tell me which one of these houses was Mr. Aiken of Aiken's Roofing. Uh, And I couldn't call because, again, there was no cell phone. It's not like we had that kind of thing. I could go back down, get back out on the highway, drive up to uh, the Braswell Mountain store, use the pay phone and hope somebody answered the phone, but I was up there. And so I'm trying to figure this out because it, it becomes a challenge at that point. Now, one thing is I'm heading back down the mountain, looking again, trying to come up with a clue. I realized that this one house that was now on my right, been on the left going up the hill, it's now on the right coming down the hill. There was a car in the driveway. So I decide that I'm going to go and just take a chance. 
this is the only person that I've seen at home. So I think I'll go and I'm going to go knock on the door and just see if this might be Mr. Aiken or if it's not, at the very least, they might be able to tell me which one of these four or five houses was Mr. Aiken's house so that I could go and deliver this package. And uh, I, I pulled up and, and one of the things uh, that you're taught to do as a Federal Express courier is you always back in first. Now, again, this was a, a Ford Econoline panel van with a bulkhead right behind the, the driver's seat so that the cargo area is secure. There's no windows to look out. All you've got is the two side mirrors. And so you always wanted to back first. You pulled in and made sure things were clear and then back. And that way you could just pull straight out. And you didn't have to worry about, you know, running over anybody or uh, backing into traffic or that kind of thing. And even though I'm in the middle of nowhere, you know, you're trained. Yeah, that's what you do. So I back into this driveway. And uh, I grab my trusty clipboard and this overnight letter and my pen, and I jump out and I walk down the driveway. And, and I notice that, going, that the, the, there's a screen door in the carport, and the door is open. Actually, the screen door is closed, but the main door is open. And so I, I walk up on the carport, and uh, before I can get to the door to knock on the door, uh, this little old lady, she was probably... 80, 85 years old, stood maybe four foot eight, tiny little woman wearing, you know, the little old lady dress. Um, and I didn't really pay much attention to uh, the dress or the lady because the, uh, the first thing that I realized is that with her left hand, uh, she's holding the collar of one of the largest Doberman pinchers that I have ever seen. And in her right hand, she's holding a 38 police special uh, and is pointed at me. And she said in her nicest clay root mountain, Paulding County, middle of nowhere country voice, uh, what do you want? Kind of just like that. Well, the truth was at that point, what I wanted was to get back into my nice Federal Express van without any bullet holes or teeth marks on my body. That's, that's really all I wanted at that point. But I didn't really have that option because this lady is sitting there holding this gigantic dog and a gun. And both of them are lethal. <laughs> you know, both of them are bad news. And, uh, and so I looked at her and I... Uh, and I, I said, ma'am, uh, I had to think fast, right? I had to think fast. And again, my van has federal on the side of it. And if you put that into the rural south, uh, that was not a word that was really accepted out in, you know, moonshine land. So I, uh, I said, ma'am, I am the American Express guy. And I have a check for Mr. Aiken, Aiken's roofing, and I'm just trying to figure out what house he lives in. And she looked at me for a moment. And, and this entire time, the Doberman Pinscher has not moved. But he has locked eyes with me. I'm actually looking at the dog and not her. Because this dog, he has not barked, he has not growled, he has not moved, but he is glaring at me as only a gigantic Doberman pincher can do. 
But the lady, when I said that, you know, I'm the American Express guy and I've got a check for Mr. Aiken, she immediately relaxed. You could tell. She just relaxed. Now she's still holding the 38 Special. It's a black, snub-nosed police 38 caliber handgun. I can see it in my mind. I will never forget this gun because she was pointing at me. But at this point, she's using it to make to point the way down the hill. So she's waving this gun around with her right arm, still clenched to the Doberman Pinscher with her left arm. She goes, oh yeah, he lives back down the hill in that little A-frame house on the left as you're going back down. And when she said that, I knew exactly the house that she was talking about because I had seen it coming up the hill. It was literally a little A-frame house. It looked like a little triangle stuck back off the road a little bit. And so I said, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the help. I'm going to go down and deliver this package. And at that point, I did one of maybe the bravest things that I think I've ever done. I turned my back on the handgun, the Doberman Pinscher, and the crazy little old woman and began walking back toward the van, hoping that she did not shoot me in the back or open the door and let that dog out. And and she did neither one. I got to the van and I opened the door and I turned around and I waved again. And I said, thank you so much. I sure appreciate your help. And I uh, got into the van, closed the door and uh, cranked it up and took a huge sigh of relief. It was like, you know, immediately all of that adrenaline and all of that tension just kind of folded away from me. And I realized, well, I survived that. Now all I've got to do is drive down the road about half a mile, get to this little A-frame house, and attempt this delivery. But, right when you think a story is ending, it's actually only beginning. Because this one gets a little bit crazier. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) You don't want to miss what happened next. I'll be right back. So I heaved a sigh of relief, turned right out of the driveway, back out onto the twisty little dirt road, and made my way down the hill a bit till I came upon this little A-frame house on the left, and again, backed into the driveway. You just backed as far as you, you needed to to be off the road grabbed my trusty clipboard and my ballpoint pen, the overnight letter that said Aiken's Roofing on Clay Root Mountain Road, and a door tag. Door tag was uh, this thing that when you made a delivery attempt, if uh, nobody was home, you filled it out. You know, I was here, you weren't here, your tracking number is this, we'll be back tomorrow. Please sign this if you want me to leave your package, blah, blah, blah. And then you would leave that on the front door so that when people got home, they would know that Federal Express had been there, made the delivery attempt, and then hopefully they would sign the thing, and the next day, if you had to go back, then you could just drop it off and and keep going. So, I back in, get my stuff together, open the door, step out, and that's when I realized that there was a pack of mongrel dogs that lived at this house. There's about four or five dogs of various shapes and sizes, all of them dirty, all of them... Uh, you know, just um, kind of, it looked like the kind of 
pack of dogs that would come together on the side of a rural mountain in the middle of nowhere of Paulding County, Georgia in 1987. This was, you know, there's a a hound dog, there's a terrier, there's something that looks kind of like a Labrador retriever. And I didn't really pay much attention to what they looked like because they were circling me and barking. And, uh, I mean, literally, I, I step out and, and these dogs are are just going nuts when I get out of the van. They they kind of come out of under bushes. They come out from around the trees. And there's, you know, there's again, there's like these little dogs. They're not, you know, huge dogs. They're you know, small to medium-sized dogs. But they're, they're standing about 10 feet away from me. And then they circle me. I'm sitting here on this driveway circled by these dogs that are moving, you know, they're weaving in and out and barking and kind of, some of them kind of lunge a little bit and back up. And I'm, and I'm doing what you always did when you run into dogs, you just talk to the dogs, you know, as long as you maintain your level of calm, the dogs usually will just kind of, you know, leave you alone. And and really the barking dogs, these dogs, they, they weren't, um, they weren't being aggressive they were actually working like a pack, and they were kind of seeing what I was going to do. Now, if I had taken off running, I'm sure they would have tried to drag me down. That's what a pack of dogs will do, so you don't do that. If I had shown fear, uh, they would have sensed that, and they probably would have become more aggressive, so you don't do that. You have to keep your calm, and so that's why I just talk to the dogs and start walking toward the door because I'm and I'm hoping somebody's home but there's no car in the driveway so I realize I'm, I'm fixing to go up and knock on this door and hang a door tag and right now I've got to get about 50 feet from where I'm parked across this driveway up this little stoop and to the front door with a pack of dogs circling me, yipping and barking and baying and, and in constant motion. So I'm, I'm basically doing pirouettes, right? I'm just spinning around in circles, walking slowly. So I'm trying to keep eye contact on all of these dogs as I, you know, hey guys, how's it going? Good dog. Whoa, yeah, yeah, boy. Hey there, you know, just trying to let them know that I'm not afraid of them, but I'm very aware of them and uh, very wary of them as they are. Of course, they're just protecting their home. They're doing what a pack of dogs is supposed to do in the middle of nowhere. So I uh, slowly, slowly make my way up and they're just, you know, again, you know, kind of weaving out and I'm spinning around and, and I got my, now my, my clipboard and my ballpoint pen are the only weapons that I have, right? And, and I can tell you from experience, you can hit a dog with a clipboard. I've been told by other couriers that you can kill a dog with a clipboard, but uh, I never had that experience. I did have a dog that I thought I was going to kill. I was trying to kill with a clipboard. didn't work out very well. That's a story for another day. But I've got my clipboard. I got my ballpoint pen. I got my little flimsy overnight letter, and I am now 25 feet away from the van, halfway to the door, and slowly spinning and moving and talking and making my way up. And I get finally to the door, and the dogs are all kind of standing back off and barking and moving, And but, you know, I have to knock on the door. So, you know, you, you ring the doorbell and you knock on the door, and then you stand there, and you have to give it about 10 seconds uh, to see if somebody's going to respond, somebody's going to answer the door, and and uh, and they don't. So you ring the doorbell again, knock on the door again, and start writing out the door tag. I'm standing there, 
you know, got the clipboard, got my pen, got the letter, and I've got my door tag on the clipboard. I'm standing there at the door writing out, you know, I was here, you aren't here. And so as I'm beginning to write this thing out, I felt something bump me between my shoulder blades. Now, I'm, I'm almost six foot two. And I'm standing on about a six-inch stoop, right? There's a step up to get to the door. There's a nice concrete pad there in front of the door. So I'm about seven feet off of the driveway. And something touched me pretty solidly right between my shoulder blades. And um, I froze. So I had no idea what that could be. And I slowly turned around and friends, there behind me was the largest dog I have ever seen in my life. I believe it was a Malamute. It was at least five feet tall at the shoulder with its neck and its head it was close to six feet tall. And this dog, this horse of a dog, had come like a ninja out of nowhere. To this day, I cannot tell you where this dog was. This was not part of the pack. I never saw this dog until he took his nose and bumped me between the shoulder blades as I was standing with my back to the yard, my head down, riding the door tag. Now, I didn't actually urinate in my pants, but I, I came pretty close. <laughs> and I turn and, and I'm looking at this gigantic animal. And this, this gigantic animal is just standing there. It's the Doberman Pinscher all over again. He's not barking. He's not growling. He's not baring his teeth. His coat is not bristled up. But nor is he wagging his tail or panting or making any kind of happy signs. He's just standing there pretty much staring me eye to eye at the door of an A-frame house on the side of a dirt road in the middle of nowhere, somewhere near the Paulding-Bartow County line. And I look past the dog at my van that is sitting about 50 feet away. And I have a clipboard and a ballpoint pen. That was weird because at this point, the other pack of dogs has gone silent. It's like they knew that the big guy was there and they're just all kind of parked around watching the scene unfold to see what's going to happen next. Like I said, when you're confronted with a dog, 
the first thing and best thing you can do is talk to the dog. So I begin talking to this giant animal who is staring at me and doing nothing else. And Mike, hi, fella. How you doing? Good boy. Just here trying to deliver a package. And I, I reached over slowly and hung the door tag up on the door. And I turned and I said, I, I'm going to leave now. And I, I took a slow step down off of the stoop and the dog backed up a step. And I looked at him and I said, I'm, I got to get to the van now. And I, I took another step and he turned and took a step with me. And so I took another deliberate step not losing eye contact. I have got absolute locked-in eye contact with this gigantic animal who to this point has done nothing but bump me in the back with his nose and is now step for step walking the 50 long feet back to the van by talking to the dog. The dog's not barking. He's just walking, walking with me one step, two steps. Finally get up to the van. I open the door just enough to be able to turn around and slowly slip up into the van and close the door. And then he sat down at the end of the driveway and just looked at me. And... My entire body turned to jello <laughs> sitting in that van as I was thinking, I cannot believe what just happened. Because again, I don't know where he came from. He materialized out of thin air and I never saw him coming. He was just there. And to be fair, he was never aggressive. He never threatened me. Not once. But he sure scared the hell out of me. And I've never forgotten that adventure on Clay Root Mountain Road. Of course, I had to go back the next day. But now I know the giant dog and the pack of dogs is there. I know which house I'm going to. I'm hoping the guy signed the thing. I also know I'm in the middle of nowhere, and so rather than doing it the right way and backing in at the end of the driveway and walking up, I pulled straight in, pulled as close to the door as I could, opened the door, jumped out, ran up through that letter between the screen door and the door, grabbed the door tag, jumped off, didn't see the big dog again, don't know where he's out. The other dogs are all barking, raising cane, and they get out of the way, and I backed out and didn't kill a dog as I was trying to get out of there, but... It's a great story now. I sure never want to go through that again. And the thing that the moral of the story, if you will, is this. In life, it is not the challenge that you see that you really need to be worried about. It is not the problem that is evident around you. It's not the pack of barking dogs that really is the problem. It's that unknown, unseen unexpected thing that's going to get you. And so we just have to be prepared for the unexpected. 
Well, this is a true story, friends. I can't make these things up. I swear to you, this really, really happened. Uh, and I hope that you found this moderately entertaining, uh, if not somewhat amusing. And well, remember, talk to the dog because that's the only way you're going to survive the encounter. Friends, again, I'm so thankful that you're with me. I hope that uh, you will share this if you enjoyed it. Uh, and for my nine faithful listeners, I love you and I appreciate all that you do. Check out the website, theeclecticmonk.com. I'm updating. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there. And until we meet again, remember... Travel well and enjoy the journey. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye. So I really do appreciate you listening to the podcast. And I appreciate if you would rate this and share this, your social media, whatever you could do to help publish it and publicize it and get it out there. That'd be great. Um, The stickers are available. And so if you will go to theeclecticmonk.com, go into the contact page, give me an email address and a mailing address, I will send you Eclectic Monk window stickers. I'll send you a handful of them because I got a bunch of them to give away. And if you're one of the first nine people, and I can tell you there's only eight available spots Uh, If you're one of the next eight people to request a sticker, I will not only send you those stickers, I will send you something uh, that's created just for you. So, again, I appreciate all nine of you, uh, everyone who's listening, I, I thank you. And until we meet again, travel well, enjoy the journey, and God bless. See you soon.